Hello, everyone, and welcome to A-Ball with Eric Os. I am Eric Os, and it is good to have you with us on what is episode number 13. As this week, we'll be chatting with one of the Lumber Kings' former relievers and now starting pitchers, Tyler Mitzel. He had made his debut in that as a bullpen arm, so I guess technically a reliever, but it was a scheduled piggyback start with the Lumber Kings' former reliever, Tyler Jones. So we'll be talking with him about that new role. And a South Dakota native. You don't see too many players come out of South Dakota, so we'll be talking with him about that when we were out in Wisconsin is where we recorded our conversation with Tyler. So we appreciate him taking some time to talk with us. We are recording this, though, on Monday, June 24th, during the league-wide off day before the Lumber Kings will begin a series against the Peoria Chiefs to open up a seven-game homestand. The Chiefs, the single-A affiliate of the St. Louis Cardinals. When we last talked with you, it was about an offense that was struggling. They had gone and been swept in three games against the Cedar Rapids Colonels to close out the first half, and unfortunately, those offensive struggles had followed them into the second half. The Lumber Kings seen their house of horrors in Wisconsin just continue with that theme, losing their first six games against the Milwaukee Brewers single-A affiliate, the Wisconsin Tim Rattlers, in what was a very exciting series because of the fan base out in Wisconsin. Lumber Kings were able, though, to pick up their first win at Neuroscience Group Field on Sunday afternoon with a 4-1 to win. It was also good enough to end their longest losing streak of the season at six games. Now, we say it was an exciting series because, well, I mean, it was. There was lots of theme nights going on out in Wisconsin. The first night on Thursday had a crowd near 6,000 to see the Wisconsin Timberattlers rebrand into the Utter Tuggers. I mean, if that's not a minor league team name, I don't know what is to play on the Wisconsin Association with Dairy. A lot of fans even got in on the fun. They had dressed up in different cow outfits. The fun continued. There were Star Wars nights and firework nights and also a kids' day on Sunday. So in the end, there were over 10,000 fans that saw the Lumber Kings and Wisconsin Timberattlers play in that four-game series. But the Lumber Kings, seeing those offensive struggles continue, they had suffered their fifth shutout loss of the season on Saturday night, a game in which they went down with a strikeout 15 times, which unfortunately has been a steady theme for Lumber Kings hitters this year, struggling with the strikeout. They have struck out now 810 times at the recording of this podcast, by far the most in the Midwest League. In fact, it's 63 more strikeouts than the next closest team, the Burlington Bees. They are the single-A affiliate of the Los Angeles Angels. And in compounding that issue of Offensively for the Lumber Kings has been the offense that just, for whatever reason, cannot find a hit with a run-run scoring position. Now, they went on Sunday, but the Lumber Kings only had one hit with a man in scoring position, and that was by Connor Scott in the second inning. As a team, the Lumber Kings do not have, as their current active roster stands, any hitter that is at or above the 300 mark with runners in scoring position following the promotion of Gerard Encarnacion here without that. And so as a team, are batting 213 with men in scoring position this season. A big reason why the offense has stalled. They have now scored the fewest runs in the Midwest or in the Western Division in the Midwest. West League and are tied for the second fewest runs overall in the league. That's just the overall look at the Lumber Kings offense. Now it has come though with some success on the pitching side of things. A pitching staff though that has seen a lot of movement in it in the second half because of all the moving parts. The new faces, the promotions, the Lumber Kings seen all three of their all-stars get called up to the high A Jupiter Hammerheads. That's Gerard Encarnacion, Humberto Mejia and Chris Valamont, well-deserved promotions. Joining them were fellow arms in Alex Vassia and C.J. Carter, also called up to the high-A Jupiter Hammerheads. And then the Lumber Kings also saw the demotion of Sean Reynolds down to the short-season Batavia Muck Dogs. So it has meant 
a lot of new faces that have come in. In fact, the Lumber Kings now have the first two members of the Miami Marlins 2019 draft class, and they were high picks in that 2019 class. Evan Edwards, who was the first to arrive here in Clinton from NC State, he was on a tear in his senior season with NC State. He had 61 games, a 330 average, 14 home runs, 60 RBI, 7 stolen bases. Greensboro, North Carolina native who was taken high in the fourth round of last year's draft, or of this year's draft. And then joining him right the next day was Peyton Burdick, and he had come out of Wright State and was even more impressive. A third-round selection by the Miami Marlins. He batted 395 in his final season with Wright State. 56 games, 13 home runs, 63 RBIs, and 23 stolen bases for Peyton Burdick. They are some of the newest Lumber Kings faces. And in addition to that has been the bullpen. Lumber Kings have seen the return of Cam Baird. Also Ryle Brito has been assigned out to Clinton all right-handed arms and also Kaysen Sherrod who was taken in the seventh round of the 2018 draft just part of the moving face the new faces here in Clinton with those promotions and also the demotion to Sean Reynolds. We'll see a new Lumber or the return of Sam Castro another Lumber King that had appeared in nine games during the month of May that has been part of the litany of roster moves for now not just the Lumber Kings, but really the entire Miami Marlins organization. The Lumber Kings, though, have certainly been in their fair share of moves as of late, 12 of them since the end of the first half, which has meant getting familiar with some new arms. What it does mean, though, overall, we talked about this with Mike Jacobs when we were out in Wisconsin on Friday. Lumber Kings don't have any left-handed arms now coming out of either the rotation or out of the bullpen. And as we mentioned, that rotation has been in flux with the promotions in particular of Chris Valamont and Humberto Mejia, who were a pretty deadly and potent one-two punch in the Lumber Kings rotation. What it has meant is Alberto Guerrero has been moved up to the top spot in the Lumber Kings rotation. George Soriano into the two spot. Jake Walters is no longer piggybacking with Tanner Andrews. He has the three spot in the Lumber Kings rotation. And then comes Tyler Mitzel and Tyler Jones, who are piggybacking in the fourth spot of the rotation. Tanner Andrews, who we had on the podcast just a couple of weeks ago is the five starter for the Lumber Kings in the second half of play. Something they will try to improve upon in the second half though. One in three to begin the season as we start this but lots of positives to look towards because well their only win of the second half was through that combination of Tyler Jones and Tyler Mitzel. The Lumber Kings piggyback starters who were so sharp in that win on Sunday on June 3rd for Tyler Mitzel. He had gotten the hold. He was very close to getting the save. He worked into the ninth inning, got one out but did allow the only run in that game. David Fry hit his third home run of the series. He's leading the Midwest League in extra base hits, so no shame in that. Mitzel, with that great changeup, though, was able to settle down following that, get the out, and get the hold, which was his third of the season, allowing one run on two hits, walking two, and striking out four. And we thank him for taking the time to talk with us. Tyler Mitzel, he joins us next on A-Ball. And welcome back on A-Ball with Eric Ose. We are now joined by one of the Lumber Kings relief options, Tyler Mitzel. I guess we can't say that anymore. You're in the starting rotation now. So good to have you aboard, and thanks for taking some time here to talk with us. No problem. Thank you. 
Well, I guess that's where we'll start, right? The journey of the 2019 season for you. Of course, not with the Lumber Kings to begin the season, but you get assigned, I think it was in the early part of the year out in Peoria in April. Yep. And then from a reliever into the starting role. So how has the 2019 season gone for you? Uh, it's gone pretty good. Uh, just got to stay consistent, trust my defense, you know, and just let them kind of do their thing. I got two great catchers behind the plate calling great games. So really I just got to put the ball somewhere near the strike zone. I should be all right. How was the uh, spring shaping up for you? Imagine making a, a full-slank season team one of the goals, and it, it doesn't work out that way, but you get to a team pretty quickly uh, yeah. outside of extended spring training. So what has that been like for you as well in shaping up here in 2019? Uh, it's been fun. Uh, definitely been fun. I know a lot of the guys on the roster that had made it, uh, I played with last year in short season. Then obviously that relationship carried over to spring training and this season. So it was fun just to kind of get back with that group of guys. I was with Jacobs last year as well in Batavia. Uh, first time working with Deef and Frankie, so it's been fun. Deef's a lot of fun, keeps everything mellow, so it's it's nice to have him. Have you had a haircut from him yet? Uh, I've not yet. Okay. I need to get one, though. Yeah, because, I, I mean, one. that's one of his secret talents, as yep. we have found out. We had uh, Deef Elise on the podcast as well, and kind of interesting mind, too, just talking about the art of pitching. Is that how you feel it works with Deef Elise? Because he was talking to us about spin rates. He was able to explain that to us, and then just different pitches and when they're typically developed in careers, whether it's a changeup or a cutter. What has he been like to work with? Absolutely. Uh, he talks about spin rates a lot, and personally, I also think that's kind of, you know, exceptional and you got to know what kind of pitch you are if you have a high spin rate you can get away with that fastball up if you use it correctly I know uh, recently we've been giving up a lot of hits on 0-2 fastballs that are supposed to be up in the zone and we end up leaving it too far over the plate so he's starting to use some things to make sure we don't do that in again but uh, he's definitely I know he talks about tunnels sometimes too just kind of keeping guys off balance especially for me with my changeup. I usually have to pitch off my changeup, so my fastball seems harder essentially so I think that's kind of how I've been successful, I guess. But just kind of making sure to locate my pitches when I need to. Well, that changeup, we hear about it all the time, right? The Tyler Mitzel changeup, it's usually talked about as one of the best here on the team. And you mentioned it a primary pitch because usually when we talk to pitchers at the single-A level, it's a fastball, a breaking ball, and then they're working on the changeup. But that is not the case for you. So when did you find out early on, I, I imagine, that this changeup was something special and it could get you into the professional ranks like you are now? Um, I never thought it'd take me this far, honestly. But uh, it's just always been something I've had. I know, like you said, uh, every guy's usually fastball, breaking ball, and I'm the complete opposite. I got a lot of work to do on my curveball. But, yeah, um, I guess it's just fun. You know, I always got guys asking her tips, and honestly, I don't really know what to tell them half the time. I just kind of something I've been throwing for a while. So, but. When we had Alex Vessi on, we asked him about that changeup because he said he'd play catch with you, and sometimes it'd go between his legs because he had trouble uh, picking <laughs> it up sometimes. And he kind of described it as a different grip on the baseball than the other pitches, and that's why he said he kind of struggled with getting it you know, consistent out of, out of the arm slot because he used to be holding the baseball hard for yeah. a fastball or a breaking ball, and that wasn't the case for the changeup. Is that the same way for you as well? Uh, yeah, I would say. Uh, then once again, it kind of just goes back to what kind of pitch you are, what your arm slot is, because something that works good for me is it going to work for Alex Vesio. You know, we're two different, very different pitchers. He's got different arm slots, uh, different tendencies. So I think all that kind of plays into, honestly, like your arm slot, your grips, you know, every everyone's grip. Like I could go and teach the entire team my changeup grip, and it's not going to work the way as someone else's, you know. And so I just kind of think it depends on what kind of pitcher you are and how you develop as that. 
mentioned what kind of pitcher you are, and that's been a couple of different roles, right? Because you start in the bullpen, and then you're into the starting rotation. You'll be making that first start of the second half or first start of the season, but in the second half, then coming up tomorrow, we should say, recording this on a June 22nd. Mm-hmm. What is that like in the uh, – was that part of the discussion right out of spring training that we're going to maybe stretch you out and then go into the starting rotation, <laughs> or it's just all hands on deck? Mitchell, you're a starter now. I think it was more of the second one. Uh, I mean, I'm never con- going to complain about getting – you know, I just need an opportunity to pitch, and as long as I get the opportunity it doesn't really bother me too much but I was a starter all four years in college so it'll be interesting how it is at this level of baseball and facing this kind of talent but uh, hopefully I don't do too bad out there. (laughs) Of course well we also would think that too in that start that it makes it somewhat a little bit easier right because when you're in a bullpen you're kind of on call at all times anything could happen it Fortunately, we don't want it to happen, but 18 innings could come by, and exactly. then it seems like everyone is into, thrown into the fray. But this time you've got your day set. you got to have a kind of routine that you can go by. I think Bessie was also telling us that when he had moved to the bullpen, that was kind of an issue because he had to adjust things. Yeah. So does that help at all in just knowing exactly when you're going? I think so, uh, especially as, like, developing a routine and stuff that's definitely big, uh, always knowing what day you're going to throw because um, it just – you know, it's you have a different approach to it. You know, as like you were saying in the bullpen, you never know when your name's going to get called, so you got to kind of always be alert, always be ready to pitch. Uh, versus a starter where you have your one day, you have your you're on a five day rotation, so you usually have those other four days to make sure that you are ready. You go through your everyday routine and stuff like that. So it's definitely going to be a little bit different since college. I know college we were on a seven day rotation versus a five day, so we'll see how the arm holds up and see if it. Of course. I mean, that, I guess that is also too true because you'll be throwing some more pitches, right, just mm-hmm. as a starter. So I imagine, too, you'll have to be stretched out a little bit more as the season goes along. I guess something you'll be looking forward to because you've got some familiarity with it, with the role that you had out in college. Is that something that I guess you kind of lean on now that you're thrown into that starting role? Yeah, I think I would have to. Uh, just kind of going back and remembering all my tendencies, what i got to do. Uh, definitely going to change my approach on the mound as well rather than throwing all three of my pitches now in the first inning or one or two innings of relief work I'm gonna have to kind of slowly plan it out and mainly stick to fastball change up then maybe flipping a curveball here and there but other than that I'm just gonna have to change my approach and hopefully it works out well, the catchers that you kind of alluded to, and they are a talented bunch for the Clint Lumber Kings. Absolutely. Of course, you've got Will Banfield, who has a second-round pick, and everyone talks about just the defensive excellence that you see from Will Banfield Absolutely. behind the plate, and, and you should see it, by the <laughs> way. You should come out and check it out. Absolutely. And we'll see J.D. Osborne, it looks like, today, again, recording this on June 22nd. So that tells us that Will will likely be catching you tomorrow. What does he like to work with behind the plate? Uh, he's fun. He keeps it keeps it nice easy going uh, he's a younger kid obviously so he likes to have fun with it you know I'm not saying Ozzy doesn't like that fun obviously Oz has a lot of fun but uh yes he does uh yeah it's always nice knowing especially with Banfield back there you don't really have to worry about base runners too much you just have to kind of keep them close because I mean 50 percent of the time even probably more than that I think it's higher than that he throws out a base runner so it's something really nice that you don't have to think about um yeah, so yeah. he's he's been around sixty percent throwing out guys yeah. this season, and at one point it was eighty percent. I think through for the first like six weeks of the season, yeah, and then he really ridiculous. slumped and brought it down. <laughs> so we'll have to ask Will what is going on. <laughs> but it's interesting too because you mentioned the curveball, and you know you have a, a defensive catcher like Banfield, and you said you're working on it. Yeah. You have a little bit more confidence too Absolutely. then with Banfield because you're you know think you've got a wall back there. Nothing's Absolutely. going to the backstop. Absolutely, with him and Osborne both. Uh, I know Ozzy's just. He's just a brick wall back there. He doesn't let anything get past him. Same thing with Banfield. 
Uh, Banfield does a really good job of also framing pitches, kind of sticking those bottom, like those zones or those balls at the bottom of the zone, uh, which is really nice too. Because if you can drop in any kind of breaking ball out there, and he's able to stick that bottom half for you, it's going to be a strike 50% of the time. So. Well, that's uh, Will Banfield and uh, J.D. Osborne, the catching core for the Clinton Lumber King, for talking here with Tyler Mitzel. And we also wanted to pick your brain, too, because you come from an area which is not synonymous with baseball players because they usually say that you need to come from a warm-weather climate, right? Because, I mean, this even hurt Mike Trout. I mean, he's the greatest player in baseball right now, and he slid so far in the draft because, well, he's a New Jersey guy, and we're not sure exactly as opposed to a California or a Florida kid, but you're from South Dakota, so what was that like growing up in a Uh, smaller state population wise and a colder state weather wise honestly looking back at it, it's kind of funny how we would used to do things compared to how we do it now I know uh I think before I got to Clinton you guys had a couple of snow games where you'd had some games canceled due to snow and stuff and I remember in high school like oh it's only 30 degrees you know there's only a little bit of snow we can shovel off the infield we can get this game in or something like that but uh, no it was always fun we always kind of used it as an advantage I guess because uh, I know no one really likes to pitch in the cold especially around here the farther south we get down in jupiter or something like that but i personally like pitching in the cold you know no one no one likes to hit in the cold either it's just brutal to play in so i kind of use that to an advantage but I guess no one really likes baseball and cold in the same sentence. Well, I think when we first came in, right, with Peoria, wasn't it snowing at that time? And we saw a snowball fight break out with all the Latin guys because they'd never seen it before. And so, I mean, this was a a chance to have a snowball fight. So that was the case out in Peoria. And you mentioned the cold weather in South Dakota as well. What was it like just in a a baseball environment that, you know, growing up in that area and then getting into the professional ranks? You weren't drafted, but you were signed very shortly after the draft, too. What was the the community like support behind you as well and getting you into the professional levels uh community was awesome especially all the fan support we had at augustana especially my senior year um it was it was unbelievable you know in the community allowing us and our baseball programs to use their indoor facilities i know sanford's got a big field house facility in sioux falls that we would go to and that place was massive it was perfect had a weight room for us had i think it was 60 to 120 yards of turf space that we could use to uh, we could dang near get a hole in and out in there besides our outfield obviously but plenty of plenty of room for our outfielders to get their work in infielders if we needed to throw bullpens we had our own indoor facility for that matter so I mean we had all of the resources that we needed just a little unfortunate we couldn't do it out on an actual baseball field until about May so that is just I mean you're talking to a San Diego native here because I got an education on the cold when it first got here that I thought everything was severe weather wise but uh, apparently when you compare it to 70 degrees and sunny every day everything seems like an extreme exactly what was Augustana like as far as the baseball uh, just development in that path that it had given you because you mentioned you know just something that you could build on and get into the professional levels and it seemed like that community too touches on the college as well where the coaches and players too that you're obviously really close with now that are still cheering for you and absolutely. what did that do in uh, getting you here to the Miami Marlins organization absolutely I think that helped me tremendously especially our pitching coach there Mark Moriarty uh, he's the head coach at you marry now in North Dakota but uh, I think he, he kind of had the biggest impact on me and as far as mentality wise I know we were big on driveline weighted balls and I use that more of a kind of clean up clean up my arm slot so I had a more consistent arm slot um, more consistent with my fastball, obviously, which I think helped. And just, I mean, it was nuts because I know we, we ended up winning the College World Series my senior year, and the fan support, we always had people watching in on us, tweeting, Instagramming, you know, it was nonstop support, and it was 
it was a wild ride. And then, yeah, I still get texts from teammates and coaches, hey, how's it going? How's Clinton? All this and that. So it's been an unbelievable experience. It sounds like uh, friends and support for life, too. And uh, you, you need that, too, in the minor league ranks because it is a grind. It's 140 <laughs> games. We're going to play 139 this year because of the cancellation out in Quad Cities. But in college, you don't play nearly as much. You mentioned no. sort of the schedule that you had. You know, you had a seven-day rotation, so yep. there's built-in days off every week. Yep. And, boy, Absolutely. does that sound nice yeah. right about now, even okay. coming off the All-Star yep. break. What, what is it like getting used to just the everyday nature of professional baseball? Uh, I think last year helped a little bit. Uh, I know that was only short season. And, I mean, we only played, I think, 70-ish games last year. I was like, wow, I can't even imagine a full season. And now that we're actually doing the full season, it's like it's not as bad as I thought it was going to be. You know, it's always fun when you have those friends, those guys in your team that make it fun the experience obviously with uh mike and frankie and deef you know they always keep everything making sure that we're still having fun at the same time being serious you know it's minor professional baseball for that matter you know you got to make sure you're doing everything you need to do to prepare yourself for that day so uh but they definitely keep the environment fun entertaining so i think that helps a lot with the everyday grind what is the Marlins overall mindset been, maybe a, a culture or, or something they really drive into the pitchers as far as something that they, they like to see in the development that maybe you noticed early on, and I guess not in spring training because you go out to Batavia, but you know just getting into the complex of Jupiter, some of the core principles of the Marlins organization from the pitching standpoint. Uh, I know a big thing for them is fastball command, uh, commanding that fastball down in the zone. Uh, I don't know if whenever we throw bullpens or warm up or something like that in the pen, we always have our strings out there. And that just kind of helps us remind to when we need, because I know there's two at the top of the zone, then there are two at the bottom of the zone. And the whole purpose of those, in my perspective, are just kind of pound those strings. You know, the perfect pitch you can make is if you ever throw a pitch and it hits that line exactly and it bounces back so the catcher can't even catch it. But uh, just stuff like that, fastball command, and then definitely having three pitches um, or having that secondary pitch uh, mastered to a point. And then once you get that, I mean, almost as many pitches as you can. Uh, be able to throw him for a strike because it keeps hitters off balance. We're so. talking here with uh, Tyler Mitzel and, and getting a little bit of the inside baseball of the Miami Marlins organization as well. And I also want to go back to South Dakota because, you know, it's it's such an interesting place to you don't see too many baseball players come out of. And we touched on the cold weather, but were there other sports as well that you had played in, in South Dakota or was it just baseball for yeah, you? Yeah, uh, growing up I played basketball, football, you know, all three sports. We weren't South Dakota wasn't the best at all those sports, so it's something you can get away with versus if you're down in Texas or Florida or California or something like that where you have pitchers only in high school. That was that was non-existent in South Dakota. You were either going to pitch one game and then go play short the next game or catch every game and then go play first or something like that. You were never just going to pitch in South Dakota. So were you a hitter then too? Were, were you pretty oh, good yeah. swinging the bat? Uh, I, I hit all the way up until my freshman year of college, and I think there's a reason I became a pitcher that year. But... I always say that I did one volleyball game broadcasting, and that tells you how well that one game, one game of volleyball exactly. had gone. So I guess exactly. you can uh, read the tea leaves, so to speak, that, hey, I'm going to stick with the pitching side of things, exactly. having a little bit more fun doing that. Um, did it help, though, at least in getting inside the mind of a hitter? You grow up as a, as a, a hitter a, a little bit, right, in, in mm -hmm. addition to pitching, and then kind of take that mindset over and shift to just the uh, pitching ranks? Does that help at all in that battle that you see between a pitcher and a hitter? I think that helped me more than anything was being – I was always a catcher up until my senior year of high school. And um, just kind of – I guess I wasn't really matured either, especially being in high school, stuff like that. Uh, as mature as like a Will Banfield, for example. He's a high school kid. I mean, I was nowhere near that level, being able to call games and whatnot. But kind of learning tendencies, uh, I was a big kind of just – 
always wanting to have the hitter off balance. You know, if you're throwing a fastball inside, they're going to brush off the plate a little bit, and you throw something soft on the outside corner, you know, more than likely they're not going to be on time for that pitch. So just kind of learning those tendencies and learning who the hitters are too that you're facing and stuff like that. Reading swings is a big one. Uh, just kind of different things like that that I remember a little bit from catching in high school and just kind of applying those things I think helped definitely. So when you get drafted or rather signed right out of the draft, what was the attention like for you in the final season in college at Augustana as far as the major league scouts that were looking at you because you were taken really right after that draft and that moment must have been pretty cool too to find out that you were going pro so if you could just walk us through that that would be pretty cool to hear. Yeah um, absolutely so all the way up kind of through I mean I was hearing from teams I wasn't getting a lot of phone calls but just like the typical like questionnaires you know stuff like that Um, if you were and then all these questionnaires are asking yeah if you uh, if you do get drafted how much money you're asking is like I'll take a plane ticket or you know something like that just I just want an opportunity but uh, just kind of like that um, I got a call from the Marlins uh, before the draft like yeah hey uh, if we take you we're going to take you day three I was like okay that's fine you know I didn't expect to go any other day so that was fine with me and then at the end of the third day, or after, the, yeah, after the end of the third day, and I didn't get my name called, I didn't get a call or anything. I'll be like, I was down a little bit, not obviously not what I was expecting. But then uh, a couple days later, I got a call from the scout that has been watching me all season, and he goes, "Yeah, hey, uh, you want a job?" I was like, "Absolutely, let's do it." And got me on a plane either the next day or day after that, and I was down in Jupiter. So it was quick turn around, turn of events. Who was uh, the most excited out of the friends and family, or was it like a hundred-way tie? <laughs> I would definitely say my parents. Uh, I know traveling, travel baseball in South Dakota for us was, I mean, it was our biggest chance for exposure, especially trying to get out of Sioux Falls or South Dakota for that matter. But uh, definitely I would say my parents, uh, my grandma, honestly my whole family was super stoked probably more excited than I was but I was just happy I could do that for them all the support that they've been giving me ever since I could play t-ball so that was that was a big moment for me just kind of almost putting their mind at ease finally that I'm getting an opportunity to play professional baseball yeah it's pretty neat when the uh, support is there because as we mentioned to the grind I feel like uh, you always need a phone call to make you know to uh, to a group of support you know that the biggest fans that you have whether you're a broadcaster or a reliever (laughs) (laughs) well we'll end with this we always try to have a a light-hearted question because you weren't here with us at the beginning of the season we held a questionnaire we gave it to all the guys and so we'd ask them their celebrity crushes and you know nicknames and pranks that had gone horribly wrong and things like that (laughs) which led to some pretty interesting material on the broadcast which of course you can hear on 100.3 FM WCCI but you know just to get to know you a little bit better I guess we can ask you what are your celebrity crushes that you might have I have a lot of celebrity crushes. Okay. I think my personal one, though, I'd probably have to go with Jennifer Lopez. Okay. So I'm a big J-Lo fan. So that must be for a while then, right? Yeah. Because she's had quite the long career. Yeah. Jennifer Aniston, big Jennifer Aniston fan as well. Uh, I'm a big, I'm a Friends fanatic, so. Okay. I've liked Jennifer Aniston since the 90s, since she was in the 90s and 80s, so you can't get much better than those two. And do we have a, a big prankster on the team, too? Because you're a good guy to ask. They always say that there are characters <laughs> in the bullpen. You were in the bullpen, so you know these guys. Are, are there any particularly really talented pranksters out there on this team? Uh, I wouldn't say we really have a lot of pranksters. Uh, we definitely have a lot of – we got a lot of goobers on the team. You know, it keeps, <laughs> keeps the environment fresh and fun, so it's fun hanging out with those guys in the pen. And we will uh, continue to keep you abreast of all of those characters for the Lumber Kings broadcast as well. Tyler Mitchell, thanks very much for taking the time here to talk with us on A-Ball. Thank you very much for having me.
Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And welcome back to A Ball with Eric Ost. You just heard from one of the Lumber Kings' newest starters in Tyler Mitzel, who you can see and hear about his first start, real official start of the 2019 season against the Quad Cities River Bandits. That's going to be on Saturday, June 29th. The single-A affiliate of the Houston Astros are the Quad Cities River Bandits. And the first half division championship, or champions, that is going to be the opponent for Tyler Mitzel in his first true start of the season. Two and three on the season with a 2.81 earned run average. Mitzel has been pretty impressive this season. Imagine one of the reasons why the Lumber Kings have put him into the starting role. And he's got that great changeup. You hear the Marlins talk about that and Mitzel even touching on it, needing that secondary pitch, especially as a starter. Well, Mitzel, he said that's his primary pitch, is that changeup and also a fastball that complements it pretty well. I mean, when we saw him out in Wisconsin, it was around 90 to 92. The changeup had been around 79 to 82, I'd say, in that range. And he kind of joked about needing the curveball to get him need the curveball to be a little bit more refined. Well, that was one of his strikeouts. It came in the ninth inning. It was his last out that he received against Gabriel Garcia. It kind of froze him on that curveball, so maybe Garcia not seeing it, but it looked like a good one from our perspective, so we appreciate Tyler taking some time to talk with us out in Wisconsin as he was able to combine with Tyler Jones to hold off the sweep of the Wisconsin Timber Rattlers to begin the second half. The Lumber Kings in that game also saw something come to an end, and it was kind of weird to think about it. A team that has a lot of of speed and also some power to the gaps, but they had gone in quite a long drought from triples, and we were looking down at the Lumber Kings scorecard to find out when the last one had happened because Davis Bradshaw in Sunday's win on the 23rd of June in Wisconsin, he had a triple in the second inning that was high off the wall in left center. It was his first of the season, and then we started thinking, when was the last time the Lumber Kings had a triple? So you start turning the pages in the scorecard and find out the last time was on May 25th, so it was the first in the month of June, and that was done by a Lumber King who's not even here anymore, Demetrius Sims, who has since been called up to the Jupiter Hammerheads. It was in a 5-2 win for the Lumber Kings against the Burlington Bees, and that was here in Clinton at Nelson Court Field, so it had been quite a while, nearly a month, and just shy of it by a couple of days on the triple by Davis Bradshaw. Offense, though, needing to come alive to back this pitching core, which as it stands right now has the second lowest earned run average in all of the Midwest League. That is how impressive the pitching has been overall, and it has been something that has been shared from the starters to the bullpen arms as well, even with the new faces that are coming in here, so we'll see if that remains steady, but the Lumber Kings are boasting right now an earned run average from the starting core of 3.66 on the season. When you get to the bullpen, it's even more impressive. 2.62 the earned run average for Lumber Kings relievers on the year. 3.21 ERA overall. As we mentioned, tied for the second lowest in the Midwest League, but a team that is 1-3 to begin the second half. As we record this on the league-wide off day on June 24th here in Wisconsin, it's been kind of nice to have the schedule back to a little bit 
less of the grind, as we have kind of been alluding to with our guests and also on our wrap-ups as well. But the Lumber Kings in a portion of the schedule now that will be not quite as demanding. The all-Star game has come to an end. The Lumber Kings began that with four games again on the road in Wisconsin. Take the day off on Monday, then seven games at home, and then comes the 4th of July festivities, two on the road in Beloit, two on the, at home against the Peoria Chiefs, and then three on the road against Kane County. Then after that, the Lumber Kings will receive the next three Tuesdays off and will also begin their action against the Eastern Division again. That will be against the Lake County Captains, a single-A affiliate of the Cleveland Indians, the Fort Wayne at Tin Caps, a single-A affiliate of the San Diego Padres, and then we'll continue on with the single-A affiliate of the Los Angeles Dodgers on the road in Great Lakes against the Loons July 17th through the 19th, and the Lansing Lugnut, single-A affiliate of the B- Toronto Blue Jays on Saturday, July 20th through Monday, July 22nd. So that is getting towards the middle part of the first set or the second half rather of the 2019 season. The Lumber Kings, of course, missing out on the playoffs in the first half, but it looked like it was a fun time for what turned out to be the final games as Lumber Kings for Chris Falamont, Humberto Mejia, and Gerard Encarnacion. Usually we keep our reports to the Lumber Kings single-A level for the Miami Marlins, but it would not be doing justice to not mention how Gerard Encarnacion is making a lot of friends, folks, already at the high-A level, so best of luck to Gerard. We hope it continues. He homered in his second at bat as a hammerhead. The following day, which was his second game as a hammerhead, he homered again. So Gerard is doing just all right, folks. He has leading the team in home runs at the time of his promotion with 10 of them, hit five home runs in the home run derby out in South Bend, at Four Winds Field, was eliminated in the first round, but then came right back in the All-Star game and hit a home run as well. So he has got the power stroke working as of late. I talked with Mike Jacobs about that, and he said, well, we're very happy for Gerard, but it certainly does hurt a little bit not penciling his name into the scorecard as of late. Touched on it in the first half, the Lumber Kings having new faces coming in from the 2019 draft class. That's who we'll highlight here in Evan Edwards, who was taken in the fourth round of this year's draft out of NC State. And then an even higher selection, and that was Peyton Burdick, who made his debut on Sunday in the Lumber Kings win, taken out of Wright State this season. Both guys that had impressive averages, as you'd imagine, for being taken that high by the Miami Marlins. Edwards with the demotion of Sean Reynolds down to the Batavia Muck Dogs, looking like he'll be the everyday first baseman now for the Lumber Kings. And with Peyton Burdick, in the Lumber Kings outfield. Also saw Connor Grant placed on the temporarily inactive list. So it is really just a core of four outfielders for the Lumber Kings. Burdick we have only seen in left field so far, but we will also be imagining seeing some more moving parts. Thomas Jones is now shifting over to right a little bit more as of late, as we will also, I imagine, be seeing a little bit more roster movement over the next week or so because Lumber Kings, as it stands right now, recording this on Monday, June 24th, They are playing a man down. They've only got 24 men on the active roster here. And the Lumber Kings will also be trying to get back onto the winning side of things as they welcome in the Peoria Chiefs because that is a team that the Lumber Kings had last beaten in a series. It has been that long when the Lumber Kings had taken two out of three from Peoria June 11th through the 13th. It was their last series win before the road woes had continued with a one and six road trip for the Lumber Kings between the Cedar Rapids Colonels and the Wisconsin Timberattlers back home to the friendly confines to open up their series against Peoria as their last seven home games for the Lumber Kings will be against these Chiefs before they welcome in the Quad Cities River Bandits on Saturday, June 29th. 
against the Quad City River Bandits. So at this point, we will shamelessly plug the broadcast side of things as we hope to see you, of course, out at the ballpark at some point during the summer. But if not, you can listen to all Lumber Kings action with yours truly on the call, Eric Ose, on 100.3 FM WCCI for those of you in the broadcast range. And you can, of course, listen to all Lumber Kings games online at LumberKings.com via the TuneIn radio app. A special thanks and big thanks to our guest today, Tyler Mitzel. We certainly had a lot of fun talking with him out in Wisconsin. Not sure exactly who will be our next guest. We are thinking we might have to go back to the starting rotation considering how impressive they've been. It's certainly been a lot of fun to watch and hopefully there'll be some offense to back them up as well. Who knows? Maybe the offense will force our hand and that's direction we'll have to go for episode number 14. Until then though, we hope we'll see you on the radio with the Lumber Kings broadcast and if not, we hope we'll have you right back here for next week's episode of A-Ball with Eric Gunst.